Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. I do want to say thank you for uh, being with us at first and, uh, and, and just to say thank you for welcoming us to the church that meets at your house. Um, we are here with you as God's with you right where you are. You know, some people might be feeling very alone at the moment. People might be feeling like they're just sort of on their own. Maybe you feel low because you've not kind of had a hug for a while or some physical contact. And, and you know, you're feeling down about being on your own. And I understand that feeling, but I'd want you to challenge that feeling a little bit today with what the Bible says. Because the Bible actually says very clearly, you're never alone. From the day you say yes to Jesus Christ, he says, never will I leave you, nor am I going to forsake you. He says, there's nothing that can separate you from his love. So right now, wherever you are, give yourself a hug. Give yourself a little hug from God. And uh, Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 27 says, wherever you live, he says this, the eternal God is your dwelling place. He's there. He is who you live in. The eternal God is your dwelling place. And underneath are the everlasting arms. So just feel God's arms around you, right where you are, giving you a hug, telling you that you're loved. Today, we really want to be doing what we've been doing all the time, trying to feed your faith. If you get on our Ivy Church uh, Facebook and like it and add it, every day we're going to be putting out, apart from on Saturdays, I think, we're going to be putting out a daily faith lift. And you can meet with God anywhere. You can meet with God when you worship him. Uh, when you give to him, wherever you are. But I'm so glad that you've joined with us today or you've let us join with you at the church that meets at your house. Um, thank you for opening your home and joining actually hundreds, thousands even of others over the week who are now engaging with us and connecting with us and helping uh, find their way back to God through connecting with ivychurch.org. I was a police officer for many years and I saw there the power, the amazing power of a crowd on an individual and how it can work for good or it can work for bad. You know, at football matches, at pub fights, people end up doing something as part of a crowd that they would never do alone. That's why the Bible warns us. It says, do not follow the crowd in doing evil. You've got to watch which crowd you're part of and, which, and who you're following. You better pick the right crowd to be part of. And actually, a crowd can suddenly change. We've been read about that. You can read about that on Palm Sunday in the Bible. It says Jesus never trusted himself to people because he knew what was in people's hearts. He knew what was really going on. And the same crowd that was shouting, hooray, save us, God's great, Jesus is great. Yeah, all of that kind of stuff. Jesus is king. We love him. They were saying that. But by the end of this week, the, the hosannas turned to hatred. On Good Friday, they went from cheering him to crucify him, away with him. Now, the government keep warning us at the moment about the danger of crowds, don't they? Why? Because of what's been coming out of your mouth, what's been coming out through your media, because we've all got a voice these days. And viruses aren't the only things that get spread through networks of people. Attitudes, behaviours do too. So my question for you is, what are you a carrier of these days? I'm going to be honest, I've been up and down a lot myself in, in this, these last few weeks, same as everybody else. But I keep trying to make the decision, the opportunity to, to get a different attitude. I read a study that says having a happy friend, connection to a happy friend, increases the likelihood of you being happy by 9%. At the same time, connecting to an unhappy friend 
and we all know one of those. I don't just mean about circumstances. We all have unhappy circumstances. I just mean somebody who always sees the negative. That gives a 7% decrease on your happiness. So the good news is happiness is more contagious than unhappiness. That means that making the effort to reach out and encourage to make somebody else happy actually makes me happy. It makes that person happy. And the studies show a traceable effect to the third degree. In other words, they pay it forwards too. They pass it on. I'm talking about a virus of kindness. I'm talking about an epidemic of joy. That's why it's great that you're part of our crowd here at Ivy as we praise God and we worship him today. By the way, when I say that, do you think God is happy? When you connect with God, do you think of him as being happy? Lots of people have this picture of our God as, as this kind of grumpy old guy high up in the sky, sort of fed up with the world and fed up with us. You know what? That's not the real God. He's not the one that I know. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is the happiest person I know. When you connect with the God of the Bible, you find out he is actually a happy God. Don't believe me. I'm going to show it you in a moment in the Bible, a scripture that will prove it to you. The Bible says our God is a happy God. Now, that doesn't mean that he's happy about everything that goes on in the world. Of course not. He, he hates it when he sees people in pain. He loves us. He, this beautiful planet that he, he made is broken, and that hurts God's heart. But when he sent Jesus into Jerusalem, it was to come and save us because he loves us. And he made a plan so that we can know Jesus Christ. And when we know that, he says, when you live for me, he says, one day you're going to hear from God. Enter into the joy of your Lord. What does that mean? It means our God is joyful. It must do. It means the Lord is joyful no matter what's happening. When I get above the clouds, you know, have you ever been in a plane? You get above the clouds. It's sunny up there. No matter what's happening, if I stay down here in the doom and the gloom and the rain, well, I live in Manchester, so today's an exception. But when I get up above the clouds, when I get into worship and connect with heaven and see that God is still sovereign over it all and that he's, he's reigning over all of the kingdoms of the world, then I find out what kind of God he is. And the Apostle Paul wrote this here in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 11. So it's an easy verse to remember. It's all the ones. 1 Timothy 1, 11. So it says that Christianity is the good news about our happy God. Our God is a happy God. He likes being God and he loves us. That's good news forever. No matter what's happening, you know the news. Palm Sunday, the crowd saw Jesus coming from the road from Jericho. They came down, he came down from the mountain and he was coming up into Jerusalem. And they were like, wow, they saw what had been foretold, what had been promised in the prophecies of the Old Testament being fulfilled, that the king would come and that he would come humbly, riding on a donkey. The Messiah would come and it was the kids who got it first. You know what? That's so often the case. The kids in worship just get it. They're not sitting there going, oh, I don't really like this one. They're not sitting there going, well, I prefer this kind of worship or I wish we had this. You know what? They made the decision. They are worshippers. They focus on Jesus and they got happy. The children started to sing so much that the, and the people started to wave branches and join in and shout, Hosanna, God has come. God has come to save us. And the religious people, they hated that. They hated that kind of exuberant praise. They didn't like it. Oh, I don't like this. They, they felt threatened. 
by, by the, the joy that was going on because they could see people who were worshipping. It wasn't kind of all sophisticated in terms of what they did. You try picking up a palm branch and dancing around a little bit. But God loved it and that joy spread through the crowd. And soon it was said that the whole city got to hear what was happening. They were saying, who is this? Who is this? See, when we worship, when we praise, no matter what our circumstances, people take notice of that. And then they ask questions about Jesus. They're like, how come you're worshipping now? How come you're still worshiping him? This is the decision that we have to make every single day. The same decision that they had to make. When they saw Jesus coming, people in the city made one of two decisions. Will we crown him or crucify him? That's the, that's the question. Will you worship him today or will you reject him? Will you ask him to save you or will you try and be your own failed savior once again? See, the Bible says there's a joy of God. There's the joy of the Lord is our strength. At the end of this short talk, Pete's going to lead us in a song that talks about that. But there's something infectious about joy if we, get, if we become carriers of it, then we can spread it. We're here to spread it today. And joy isn't about circumstances. It's about a decision. And it's also about connecting with other people who are joy bringers too. You make a choice about the crowd you're in. Some people still believe no matter what is happening, God is good. No matter what happens in my life, God is great and he's good no matter what. And, and when I get around people like that, it gives me reason to be, a, to be filled with joy and want to pass it on to other people too. See, I realized myself in the, in the week, I had a moment where I looked at the media and I've been reading so many posts that were getting me down and I was passing lots of them on. And now, actually, I've got to say, there are some serious things that concern me right now. I'm very concerned about, and I want to, I want to pass on the right information from the government about this crisis. I want to pray for them you know, and, and, and pass on the right information about that, not the wrong information. I've got to say, I'm also concerned with regard to laws being passed through on the nod and their potential effects on civil liberties and freedoms even if done from the best of intentions. And we've got to watch that and challenge the government. It's all right to do that. We're citizens. We can ask them, Is it, do you really think it's okay to do this, this, and this? And when does that go back to normal? So I'm prayerful and I'm watchful over that for everybody's sake. But when I prayed, when I worshipped, you know what? The focus shifted off that and I became aware again. What am I spreading? Because I want to spread hope. I want to spread love. I want to spread facts, not fear truth not opinions and i'm trying to become more aware of that because we've all got a lot going on at the moment i'm praying for lots of you i know that i've got all kinds of pains and worries and, and and all kinds of different things that are going on and we feel that for you do get in touch and, and let us know so how we can pray with you because we've got to look out for one another the bible has a lot to say about how we are to be with one another this is an infographic that's going to come up and, and show you exactly all these times. It's not all of them. It's too many of them. One another is used 100 times in 94 New Testament verses. It's, only, it's two words in English, but it's one word in the Greek, alelon. And the first followers of Jesus were all about him, all about God, and all about one another. All about loving one another. And he said, actually, you can't separate the two. You can't say, well, I love God, but I don't love you. Let me tell you about a few things that you can be part of as, to become one another with us as part of our crowd this is Easter time so that we can encourage you and we can connect with you and you can stay connected with us. Just take a picture of this in a minute so that you can get on your calendar and join with us and share it. Next Sunday is, of course, Easter Day. I am so excited about Easter Day. But the 
the last week of Jesus's life is so important. Most of the gospels devote like at least 20% to the last week of the biographies that they write about Jesus. Isn't that interesting? This is a very important week. So we've got some other things to help us to remember that too. Before we get to Easter Sunday, we're going to do something on Wednesday, which is Passover. That's the Jewish festival. We're going to do communion and we're going to remember it was at Passover time that Jesus' blood was shed for us. Just like in the Old Testament, the lamb's blood was shed and they put it over the doorposts of the house to protect them from, from what was approaching, from this death that was coming across the whole nation. And we're going to just have a simple communion service together from my home and you get invited to be part of that. It's going to be on Facebook. And then um, also, as at 6 p.m. Wednesday, make sure you're ready with bread, wine and juice. And some people are doing like a red ribbon that they're going to tie to their door as a sign that you're in with this to put on the door as a sign of the blood of Jesus that you want to put over your home and to ask the Lord to protect and bless you and your household. So many prophets are saying this Passover time is going to be huge. And they're saying there's going to be a turnaround in terms of what's happening in the world if people will pray particularly about this pandemic. So we're going to go into that Wednesday. We'll do the 8 a.m. Faith Lift devotionals every day. And I'll do the one on Good Friday. But then the Ivy Site leaders, your Ivy Site leaders are going to host multiple reflective online participation events simultaneously on the same day, Good Friday at 3 p.m. As we remember, Jesus died for us on that cross. Jesus did it for me. Then on Easter Day at 10.30, we're going to meet again together at Ivy Church, at the church that meets in your house to celebrate the greatest day in history, that Jesus died and rose again. Somebody, wherever you are, shout hooray for Jesus. Come on, let me hear it, even from where you are. Yay, Jesus is alive. We love you, Lord. We're going to celebrate that together. Because that's what turned the whole world around for those first disciples in that new community that was formed and people called it the church. We've been reading about that in the last few weeks in our series, The Church That Acts. So open your Bibles this at the moment with, with me. This is all about, we've been looking at what the first believers devoted themselves to because this can help us know what we should be devoted to. Everybody's devoted to something. So verse 42 of Acts 2 says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's the Bible. And to fellowship, that's what we're looking at today. One another, the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, that's the one another, and had everything in common. They shared, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Get the eight o'clock thing going in your house. They broke bread in their homes, get involved on Wednesday, and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added daily to their number those who were being saved. God wants to do that today. If you don't know Jesus, if you don't know that he's come to save you, he has done, you can respond to him and just say, save me. Just, Jesus, save me. He will add you to his number forever. So we've said they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's the Bible. We've been talking about that. Last week, we saw they devoted themselves to prayer. You can go back and look at these previous ones. And this week, just notice how they devoted themselves to one another. What did it look like practically for them to do that? They went beyond friendship to this family feeling called fellowship together because they all shared together. They all connected together. They became interdependent, not independent. They ate, they broke bread, shared together with joy, it says. Just like we do 
and we're going to do this week on Wednesday. And we're going to do communion Easter Sunday too, by the way. They're devoted to one another. And then as a result of that, well, we, we looked last week at what happened next. If you've got your Bible, you can flick through Acts chapter 3. Peter and John went to pray, met a lame man on the way, healed him, and got in massive trouble for doing so. They got arrested, believe it or not. They, they had these people who, the, the, the religious people came in and said, why are you doing this? And they said, because Jesus did it. And we're, we're now his followers. We're doing what he told us to do. And then they said, oh, you can't say the name of Jesus. You can talk about God. You can talk about religion. You can talk about spirituality. But don't say Jesus. Don't name the name. And they said, well, listen, that's the only name given. It's the only name of Jesus. The one you crucified and God raised him today is the only one who saves. And they said, we can't stop speaking about him. And we're not going to stop speaking about him. Even if you say it's wrong. We know it's the right thing to do because he's the only one for yourself. They say, judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. We cannot speak, help speak about what we've seen and heard. So what did they do? They threatened them further. They said, you're not to do it. And they got released and they came back to the church. The first the apostles together met with some other disciples and said, what do we do? Now, in a tough time like that, what do you do? Would you just pray, oh God, please make it all better. Make everybody like me now. Make everybody be nice to me. Stop them being horrid. I don't like that they're being horrid to me, so please stop them. Is that what you pray? I think I'd be tempted to pray like that. That's not what they prayed. They didn't pray for comfort. They didn't pray for that. They prayed for courage. It says they got together and they said, Lord, consider their threats. Like you deal with that. And enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And it says, after they were prayed, the place where they were meeting were shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Shake the place where you're meeting right now. Stamp your feet. Come on. Shake the place. Come on, God. We want you to shake us. We want you to shake us where we are. Lord, we thank you for the power of the word of God. Let it be released now as we worship you. And then it gives some examples in terms of what that looks like. In Acts chapter 4, verses 32 to 36, we get this amazing picture of what it looked like in that first community. It says, all the believers were one, say one, one in heart and mind. No one claimed any of their possessions as their own, but they shared everything. Say everything. Everything. It's hard to say it. They shared everything that they had with great power. This is a result of that. The apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's grace was so powerful at work in them all. There were no needy persons among them. Wow. Underline that in your Bible. From time to time, how did it happen? Those who owned land or houses sold them brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field that he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. He laid it down at their feet, but really he was putting it at the feet of Jesus. Like Hannah said before, you know, they were laying down their coats, they were laying down their things, they were laying it all down at the feet of Jesus, making it worship when they gave Remember, we, we read about this before. They were, the reason they did this is because they prayed for courage and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they were one and they were united. What's in you will come out of you. What was in them was this heart of unity. They prayed together. Love only ever flows from unity. Generosity only flows from unity. Sharing was the result, not the reason. The way they prayed 
together meant they was they just know I'm something part I'm part of something way bigger than just me here. I'm, I'm part of something that God's doing that is so much bigger. And so they got above the clouds and they saw that and entered into it. And they went, you know what? This is not about me. This is about us. And they were part of something bigger. So they became part of one mind, one heart, one spirit. And that broke the power of me, me, me. That broke the power of selfishness and greed. And what about me? And it spread through the crowd and turned everybody into this, this people who were unstoppable in their generosity. And that made a huge difference for the gospel. See, the opposite of that is the spirit of the world. It's the spirit of the seagull that nicks your chips. It's like these guys on Finding Nemo and the one word that mattered to them. The people in that first church, you see something overflowed in them. So they stopped thinking, my, my, my in my mind and instead they realized Jesus had given everything for them that first Easter so Jesus told his disciples remember he told them to go into a town and exactly where to go and he said you're going to find a donkey tied up and when you go there I, I, if anybody asks you hey why are you taking that donkey say this the Lord has need of it that's what you got to say now actually in the original Greek it actually reads like this the Lord of it has need wow the Lord of it has need it's like he's the Lord of it I might be the owner of it, but he's in charge of it. It's not mine anymore. Why? Because I'm his. Did you ever realize that? Sometimes we just want to give him our sins. We want to give him our worries. We want to give him all the bad stuff in our lives. But he says, I'm Lord of all. I'm Lord of all or not at all. Now, they knew that. So they knew that they didn't have to say mine, mine, mine about anything. They cared and they shared. You know, that's what they did together. They said, you have a need, I have this. It's his, now it's yours. That led to this amazing point where there was no need among them. How do we get to that point where there's no need among us? Two things. First of all, we ask people if they need help right now. Other people might need help more than just a like on Facebook or a heart. Maybe they need contact. Maybe ask God if you can be the solution to help somebody else's problem this week. Number two, if you have need, ask for help. Sometimes we're just not really good at that. You can ask God for, for help in prayer. We talked about that last week. But don't be afraid to ask other people for help right now. Most of us just don't want to be a burden to other people. But research shows we absolutely vastly underestimate how willing other people are to lend a hand. Eric Barker cites a study that tested whether people underestimate the likelihood that other people will will say yes to a request from help. And they underestimated it by 50%. 50%. People are twice as willing, in other words, to help you, as you might think, if you ask. So ask. Ask, give, receive. Spread word. I'm available to help. Don't just think me. Think mine. J. John says there's three words that should mark us out as followers of Jesus, no matter what. Prayer care, share. That's all this community was about. And of course, that involves sharing the good news of Jesus and inviting people to come to know him too. And he says those followers did that with power as they told everybody, Jesus is alive. And there was great grace, mega grace, literally upon them. Now, some of you've heard this word grace and it is amazing, but you know what? It's more amazing than you might think. Some people have heard it and they, they say, oh, it means unmerited favor. Like I don't deserve the goodness of God and he gives it me anyway. And that is it, but that's just a small part of it. You look through the words that are used for grace in the Bible. 
You look through them and you realize it's, it's far bigger than just unmerited favor. Grace, a, a guy called Gordon Fee said that grace is the empowering presence of God, enabling me to be all God made me to be and do all God calls me to do. Take a picture of that. When you need grace this week to get through something, God's grace is coming to you and his empowering presence is going to come and enable you to be everything that he calls you to be and do everything that he calls you to do. See, I can't do that myself. I can't do anything myself. I'm naturally selfish, to be honest. I want all the loo rolls. I want all the hand sanitizers. Thank you very much. I need grace to help me to change everything. I'm not naturally generous. I need grace for that. The Bible talks about the grace of giving. And then Luke, who wrote Acts, gives us an example, a concrete example of what that looked like. In a time of scarcity, in a time of fear and persecution for the church, somebody acted in the opposite spirit. So we can see a generous person in action, weigh ourselves against it and think, well, am I like that? By the way, straight after this, if you read on in Acts chapter 5, there's a couple who tried to fake it. Their names are Ananias and Sapphira, and it didn't work out dead good for them. That's all I'll say about that story. You need to read it for yourself. But look at Barnabas again, because he's not faking it. This is real. This is real generosity. It says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, that was his nickname, it wasn't his real name, um, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So he was a Levite. He couldn't own land in Jerusalem by law, but he owned a piece of land back home, maybe in Cyprus. He sold it, cashed it in and gave it in to the church because other people needed that. He was just an ordinary Joe, but later on, interestingly, he becomes one of the most influential leaders in the early church because they selected leaders there, not on the basis of gifting, but character. I, I think God looked at him and said, that's the kind of person I can use to do great things through. And in that very tough time for the church and the nation, he stood out from the crowd and became known as the son of encouragement to all of the rest of them. Why? Because of his joy, full giving because of his sacrificial extravagant love his generosity because he stopped saying mine 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 and he looked at who, what god had done for him and he said it's all god's 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 and so it can be now yours and yours and yours so my question what are you giving and receiving these days what are you passing on i read a story sorry a study by a yale professor called nicholas christakis on how any network can be part can can pass things on it can perpetuate things within it happiness or unhappiness positives or negatives kindness or cruelty generosity or gossip or greed can all spread like a virus here's the quote from that that uh, professor he says we've shown that altruistic behavior that means being concerned about somebody else not just me doing something to bless somebody else not just looking to be blessed and help myself that ripples through networks and so does meanness Networks will magnify whatever they are seeded with. What are you putting into the people around you? They will magnify Ebola, fascism, and unhappiness and violence. But also they will magnify love and sharing and happiness and information. 2,000 years ago, this new incredible network was formed by God in Jerusalem. People infected with joy, filled with the Spirit, went everywhere around the world to spread the good news to everybody on the planet. Other people ended up calling them, calling them Christians. They didn't say that. They just said, we're followers of the way. Jesus is the way. Come and follow him yourself too. And they sacrificed and they suffered and they loved and they gave 
And if you're a Jesus follower right now, the reason you are is because they did that, because it was passed on and passed on and passed down through the ages. Somebody broke the distance between them and you and told them, Jesus has broken the distance between you and heaven. God's not distant at all. You can know the happy God right now. We're here now because they did that. That's why some of us just love to give our time and our treasure and our talents for this. Not because we're getting paid for it, not because we have to, but because we love him and we've been loved by him. And nothing's going to stop that. And nothing's going to stop the church because the church is the hope of the world. You know what I'm going to say next Sunday at Easter? You can't put Jesus on lockdown. You can't put Jesus on lockdown. He's going to keep bursting out of everything that you put him into. And I can't devote you. You choose what you devote yourself to. But what I want the Holy Spirit to help me to do right now is to devote myself to God and to us to devote ourselves to one another. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you've come to save us. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your life and death and resurrection. And Lord, I ask you now, Hosanna, son of God, save me. Why don't you say that? Hosanna, son of God, save me. Save me from my past. Save me from my sins. Save me for the future that you've got for me. Hosanna, you've come to save us. Thank you that you left heaven. You came to live with us and to die for us, to put your life inside of me now. I say yes to that. I say yes to your life and your love. Fill me with your joy, that your joy will be my strength now and every day in the church that meets in my house and the church in my heart. Give me power in here. Give great grace to be upon me so that I can live and share the joy and share the love and the generosity and encourage the struggling and support the weak. Yes, Lord, we receive your joy right where we are today. May the Lord bless you as you worship. And now Pete's going to lead you. So let's all stand up and stretch and sing and go for it for King Jesus. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org media.